So I think most people are aware that the dollar is in trouble, um, that it's uh, the petrodollar is at its end. And you've got, uh, you know, America, I mean, how much debt do we have now? Uh, enough that we'll never pay it back. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're in debt so much. We owe so much debt to not just, I mean, to, to nations around the world. And there's so much that, yeah, you're right, we're not going to be able to pay it back. And people have lost faith in this dollar that is now pretty much just backed by our military. And with our military not being as strong as it used to be, and other countries raising up their militaries and starting to challenge us, like like Russia and China, uh, people are saying, "Hey, it's time for it's time for a new king of the hill," and that new king of the hill comes with a new uh, with with a new currency, potentially. And you know, it's also interesting because you know people who come from a biblical background that we talked about in times and there being a number of the, the number of the beast you cannot buy or sell without it. Um, you see this, this what's been going on with the Federal Reserve and, and several of our big banks talking about making a move towards a digital currency. You look what's happening in China with their digital currency and their tra- and how they've tied it to their social credit scores, and that's what's coming here with the ESG. So there's no question things are changing with, with our uh, currency. And I'd like you to uh, talk to our listeners and our viewers about about the BRICS nations, about what that is and what that has to do with China and, and uh, Russia and, and uh, especially Brazil, now that uh, Brazil's kind of uh, gotten themselves uh, a new dictator. Well, let's, uh, let's frame it in a little bit of history, if we can, to begin. Yeah. Okay, let's start in 1946. What happened in 1946? America just won World War II. We were the number one producer of high-end goods in the world. We were the strongest military power in the world, and there was an agreement made between nations called the Bretton Woods Agreement in which the dollar, which at that time was the predominant currency in the world, backed by the richest nation in the world, producing the most goods in the world with the toughest military in the world. For Pretty the next for, for formidable force there. Uh, well, right. This was America's rise on the national stage. But the dollar had been taken over and controlled by something called the Federal Reserve since 1913. So we were now a central bank-run country. Uh, Our currency was no longer controlled by our Congress as dictated in the Constitution. So this leaves a lot of room for, shall we say, creativity in currency manipulation and global uh, commerce. For many decades thereafter, that preeminent dollar, the world's reserve currency, was viewed as the standard. And it should have been the standard. Right. It was the standard in the ni- and through the 1940s, 1950s, into the 1960s, even into the 1970s. But in 1971, Richard Nixon took our dollar off the gold standard, making it a fiat currency. And what is a fiat currency? A fiat currency is simply a currency that is backed only by the perception of those who hold it as valuable. There's really no intrinsic value behind it. And this was done so that we could print more money than we had actual gold to back it. And since then, virtually every currency on the planet has gone what we call fiat. 
Now, the, we, we put this petrodollar agreement in, and that agreement was with the OPEC nations that we would provide military protection if they would require all other nations to purchase oil in dollars. So if, if Europe wanted to, you know, if England wanted to buy oil, they had to take their pounds and convert them to dollars and buy the oil and so on and so forth. And so this kept the dollar on the preeminent stage. Um, the problem is in the last probably, we can go back 15, maybe 20 years, our fiscal policy has become increasingly more and more irresponsible. We're printing more dollars, we're just creating unsustainable levels of debt, and we no longer produce most of the goods that we consume. We have, since the implementation, uh, implementation of NAFTA in 1994, we have exported the production of most of our fundamental basic goods to other countries. Which countries now produce the majority of stuff we consume? They are the BRICS nations. BRICS is an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Uh, Mexico uh, is another big one where we have a lot of our goods being produced. Uh, you know, and it's sad because it was not long ago when when we were at the breadbasket of the world, when we were the producers, right. when we everything produced, was made in America. And, and made in America was a sign of the best made items you could purchase. It meant quality. It, it, it held to a high industrial standard. That's ancient history. And, and But, you know, and the reason I think one, that this matters is it, it is ancient history, but it's not so ancient we can't remember because, you know, I remember when I grew up, uh, you know, my first 12 years here in Utah, I remember Geneva still. And I remember, you know, we lived in a blue collar neighborhood and a lot of my neighbors, you know, our families, you know, the men worked, the men worked at Geneva still at the steel plant. And they made enough that their wives, my buddies, moms were all home. You were working a blue collar job and you were living well enough that the wife your wife could stay home and raise your raise the kids because the dollar had strength enough in those days not to inflate through irresponsible fiscal policy a dollar this year you know you might have had a 1 or 2 or maybe even a 3% inflation rate at best but this accelerated uh, in the in the starting in the 70s and into the 80s and has just gone literally nuclear in the last yeah. decade where the, the, the declining value of the dollar. But here's, here's the problem now. We have exported all of our manufacturing, and what do we give people now? We give them the same U.S. dollar. It looks the same on paper, but it is, really isn't the same anymore. What is it? It is exported debt. Our dollars are debt. We owe the Federal Reserve. We owe all these other countries who hold bonds that we floated uh, to, quote, lend us money to print uh, 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 or print dollars or plug the deficits that we run every year nationally. And these BRICS nations look at this, we're exporting debt and we're importing actual hard goods. They're making stuff that we can use and we're giving them debt, debt bonds, smoke, bonds smoke, of debt. Smoke, smoke. We're giving them a currency We're kind of like uh, the uh, we've, uh, Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Uh, where he goes and, and uh, he he spends all their all their money and then comes back with one thousand well, IOUs. <laughs> well, this this system again because America has been so powerful. This system has been enforced by a perception of strength 
but that perception is waning. And there, this earlier this year, there was what I would call a trigger event. When Putin invaded Ukraine, 21 nations agreed to sanction Russia. And part of those sanctions were that in the Western banking system, what we call the SWIFT system, Russia had roughly $300 billion in assets. The uh, Western powers agreed to freeze and then confiscate the Russian money in that SWIFT system and forbade Russia access to the SWIFT system to do Can, any business. Will you define the SWIFT system a little bit further? Well, the SWIFT system is the electronic system that transfers money through banks. You know, it, uh, you know, if you we do, all use it, right? We right. all it's, use it's it. We're all part cards. of that it's, system. It's, it's 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 wiring money to Grandma in Pensacola. Uh, you know, you, you're going through that SWIFT right. system. It is the it is the administrative system that moves money through the banking system. Uh, in all so, the Western banks that participate in that system, which is essentially almost every bank you can name. Okay. And so they froze when we put sanctions on Russia. They froze those assets and then eventually, basically, it was effectively confiscated. And how much assets? assets about the, about $287 billion is the last number I heard. So, Somewhere in that so, range. It was, it was the sum total of Russia's money in the SWIFT system. And just froze it. Just froze, froze just it. Basically took it away from Russia, said you can't access it and use it anymore, which basically means that we took it. <laughs> so someone takes $200 billion from America and uh, says you're no longer using this money. Yeah, we'd Obviously, have a that's an act of we'd war. Have, yeah, we'd have a problem. Well, again, uh, Putin, uh, here's the problem. Russia produces a lot of stuff people in Asia, Europe, and even America need. Oil, wheat, gold, uranium natural gas. Europe, 25 to 30 percent of all Europe's natural gas comes from Russia. They need it to operate. And Putin said, fine, uh, anybody wants any of our resources, pay in rubles. And here's where what I think, uh, the, this is what became the pivotal moment. When uh, 21 nations said, no, we won't do that, 182 nations said, okay, sounds good to us. And the 182 US nations said, We'll do business in rubles. We don't mind. Mm. Fine with us. In other words... And 21 nations said, no, 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 we're going to stick to these sanctions. And it all of a sudden, America realized, ooh, we're, uh, uh, you know, we expected everybody to stand behind us in this, and not the a lot of people really are, did. Have lost, have lost faith not, in, not in us. Not a lot of nations really stood with us on this. There are an awful lot of the weaker nations that said, we don't mind doing business in rubles. We need wheat, we need oil, we need natural gas. Uh, this, this set a stage. Uh, that, that set a stage for the, the article you're looking let's, at. Let's, uh, there's, there's no article being looked at. Let's pull that article up and, 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 uh, and let's pull. And well, let's, let's, the, and let's, the, yeah, the Russian Times reported, Putin announced in June that the uh, BRICS let's throw nations. That, uh, let's throw the article up, Savannah. Yeah, Putin, Putin announced. And I'll was just do full screen on that. I know, which one? The one that one that's up right there, this one. Yeah, yep. the RT article. Russian Times reports in June, that Putin, and Putin announced this publicly in June, that they were working on a new digital reserve currency that the BRICS nations were, were working on. Okay, and again, so for our listeners, the BRICS nations, it are these are the nations that are actually – the producers. Right. They formed a coalition some years ago to basically band together as an economic block to 
give them an advantage to stand up to some of the economic power of the West. Okay. And this is Russia. This Brazil, is Brazil, Russia, India, China, China and India, South Africa. South Africa. Okay. But uh, a couple of months ago, Turkey, Iran, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia applied for BRICS status. Two weeks ago, 12 more nations applied for BRICS status and is expected that many, many other nations will apply for BRICS acceptance and BRICS status. These, the nations are starting to gravitate towards the BRICS and away from the Western banking system. Okay, so tell our listeners a little bit about this article right here. Let's, let's, let's go through this. Okay, so Putin, they, Putin announced, and he announced this publicly, uh, they held a press conference, and he announced that the BRICS nations, uh, after this seminal event of being frozen out of the SWIFT system happened, Putin announced, we're going to create our own digital currency. And initially, as it shows in this article, they announced that it would be based on a basket of currencies of the BRICS nations. That has since transformed into something much larger. That has why tra- should people, why does this matter to, to our listeners? Why is this significant? Okay. Well, because what it's transformed into, if it comes to fruition and maturity, will be the first non-fiat currency in a generation to be placed on the world stage. Uh, in the initial article, the, they had originally designed this digital currency to be based on a basket of all the BRICS nation's currencies, but they're all fiat also. So they thought this through, and in uh, August and September, uh, Putin and Xi Jinping both confirmed that they are going to, they're uh, on course to develop this digital currency, and it will be backed by a basket of actual commodities, including gold, silver, oil, uranium, wheat and other production commodities from these nations. So this is obviously a threat to America. Well, let's, let's, let's think of a scenario. Let's assume they are very smart, savvy, and successful in rolling this currency out. They introduce a new digital currency. They, they figure out a value of it based on the basket of commodities backing it. And they decide, you know, as of... February 1st, 2023, we're all going to start conducting business in this new currency now that we're agreed on what it is and what it looks like. So here we are in America, the Western banking system. We go to China and say, hey, we need 5,000 of these car parts. Uh, You know, we bought, the last time we bought 5,000 of them, we paid $5.50 American each. And so, you know, we'll send you a check for uh, $270,000, uh, $75,000, and we need these car parts. Okay. And China says, well. We're not so uh, interested or, or in your 20, dollars. Yeah, 27500 Bad math here. Uh, 27500 and we want our car parts. And China says, well, we're, uh, we just switched to this new BRICS currency, and we're no longer going to do business in dollars. We need you to convert those dollars to our BRICS currency before we can sell you anything. And based on your declining dollar and all the debt you have, here's the exchange rate we'll offer you. And we look at that, and we that $5.50 a unit suddenly became fifteen fifty a unit based on the exchange rates. And we say, well, wait a minute. Because they're now interested in collapsing right. our dollar. And, and China, but China can look at us and say, hey, you want the stuff? You pay the price because they're producing it. And they know we can't get it any other way for the most part. And you're right. They, well, and again, our own 
Uh, we're trying to keep this from, uh, uh, you know, some of the political horrors we're experiencing here in America, but we have an administration that's literally trying to strangle us uh, in terms of energy production and, and, yeah. and a number of the other things. Uh, America has become very difficult just based on the legislative fertility that we're experiencing to make anything here. It's just become too uh, overregulated, too expensive. Yeah. Uh, and this I mean, is, and it's, this is, I believe this is done on purpose to make it easier to export, uh, which makes America incredibly vulnerable. Our own system, and we, you know, you can argue over whether this is deliberate or whether it's just incompetence. Uh, how, however, you arrive at the conclusion, we must understand that making things in America has become much more difficult. It, it, look at the tags on things you consume. They're made in Mexico. They're made in Malaysia. They're made in Singapore. They're made in China. They're made in India. They're, they're made somewhere other than here. And the tags that you're looking at, all of these nations are basically, in essence, waging economic warfare on right. America and on the dollar, saying we don't want any more of your 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 U.S. You know. Pay, well, you know, I'll pay me later. I'll well, pay right. you later. You know, the, debt bonds. In, uh, right. In other words, we want a more equitable system. I listened to an interview uh, with a Serbian hedge fund manager named Kranik who attended a BRICS conference in Azerbaijan in October. And the main point of the discussion was this new currency. And Countries are flocking to this. Why? Because they see it as much more fair and much more equitable than what the Western banking system is offering. It's simply a better deal for them. So how do you see this playing out? And, you know, because if you also look at the fact that we are teetering on the on the verge of, of World War Three right now, um, U.S., the U.S. continues to poke at the bear of Russia and, uh, you know, sending money, sending troops. Well, you know. th there's, there's a couple of very obvious outcomes to this. And the first one I'm, I'm wearing, as you can see, I'm wearing uh, the World War II Museum We've got his hat, hat there. Let's zoom World, in on that World hat. War, World War II Museum in uh, New Orleans. If you're ever in New Orleans, cheap plug here. You've got to stop at the World War II Museum. It's an amazing, amazing place. I only got to spend two and a half days there. I could have spent two and a half weeks in this museum. It's so uh, well done and thorough in its documentation of that war. One of the possible outcomes is war. And uh, unfortunately, America has gone to war over much less than this because if this currency is allowed to succeed the way that she uh, and Putin envision it, it will break the grip of America's dollar in terms of global hegemonic dominance. Mm. What will that mean at home for us? It will mean that the, well, officially 7%, but really more like 20 to 30% inflation we're experiencing right now will accelerate greatly. The buying power of the dollar will be eroded at a very profound rate, and Americans are going to find themselves a whole lot poorer, a whole lot more quickly than they ever imagined. Because the only thing keeping the dollar dominant now is its reserve status currency. There are other countries with debt problems, Japan being a prime example, but nobody has a debt problem like we do. 
Uh, we are, you know, the old drunk. We're spending, we're spending like sailors drunk, high on meth, and uh, uh, jacked up on uh, speed at the same time. We we can't spend fast enough. Yeah. Now, you know, you're, I, if you remember the 1988 election, Michael Dukakis ran against George Bush Sr. And do you know what his whole campaign was based on? What? During the eight years that George Bush was vice president, we allowed the national debt to balloon from $100 billion to $150 billion, an increase of 50%. And by gosh, that was just un-American and irresponsible. $150 billion deficits just a slow Tuesday in Washington yeah, these days. Now. Uh, and that gives you kind of a scale on uh, what's going on out there. The, the rest of the world is not stupid. Uh, you know, uh, we, may, we may question the moral imperatives of people like Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping, but when it comes to doing business and commerce, they're just not stupid. We have been sending this debt, these dollars that were perceived as the gold standard in the past, and there, I, it looks to me like they're getting at a, to a point where they're just not going to take it anymore, and they are looking at serious alternatives. Now, how we respond to that will be very interesting. But in most scenarios, if you look at how this plays out, it generally won't end well for, for us. It just won't. Has there been a time in history that you could uh, give us an analogy where we've experienced something like this? I, I can't think of any. This is unprecedented. But th America has never, I mean, the last 70 years of American history have been incredibly unique. I mean, because that is something that I think is, is uh, one of the signs of falling nation is the, is the economic fall. Well, is the inflation? It's it's the chipping if, off the coin. It's 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 well, what they did in, in, uh, in Rome. Rome, right? Well, right. Well, they, Rome, they started Rome clipping, could, clipping, 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 right. and, 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 and expanding the, the you know. Rome could be somewhat of an example. Uh, they were a predominant military power. Yeah. Uh, Great Britain could be an example. Remember, at the turn of the last century, remember what they said: the sun never set on the British Empire. Right. They. Uh, But even, even those examples don't come with the, with the uh, variables and the potential contingencies that could happen in this scenario. Neither so, of those countries was so dominant on the world stage, uh, nor did they have some of the, uh, nor did they practice some of the subterfuge that we are now practicing. So where are things stage. now with this, the, with BRICS Nation? Uh, Brazil has now uh, uh, Lula. Is it Lula? Uh, well, who's, yeah, the, who's the, now the Brazilian there, uh, elections a whole other subject on themselves. You know, the people in Brazil are out on the streets saying we did not vote for this yeah, guy. No, they, but they, he, they, but he would be, he would, he would be very sympathetic to the BRICS agenda as it currently stands. Yeah, he's 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 straight up uh, Marxist communist. I mean, he's completely aligned with. Uh, well, who are the and, who uh, are the first two people to congratulate him? Uh, President, so-called Joseph Biden, congratulate him before all the votes were counted, and then the second phone call came from Vladimir Putin. Yeah. So, how soon do you see something like this potentially evolving, and what does it look like? I mean, how? What is? What does? The, what is? How would this affect the dollar? Well, how I, could that roll out? Well, um, in in that in that Azerbaijan meeting, uh, Vladimir Putin was there, and he said. This, uh, the rollout of the BRICS currency is inevitable, on schedule and inevitable. 
Those were his words in that conference. So what does that mean? That means that a lot of the things we've bought as cheap foreign goods might suddenly not be cheap anymore. Uh, what it means is if we want to, we may have to get to, and, and uh, Xi and Putin have used these words. They say the unipolar model of the world no longer works. And what do they mean by that? They mean uh, um, a system dominated by the United States and the Western banking system. They don't see that as viable. They said a multipolar model is the only way forward in the future. And what they mean by that is restoring the, the kind of uh, individuality and um, uh, sovereignty of individual countries and letting them do business the way they want to do business, not dictated by a, an overarching central bank economic control system. That's the way they view the world. Yeah, and, and I know the way China views the world, and China uses this, is China has their social credit score. Uh, they've been held up as, as the model. In China, with the, with their financial system, if if you've made too many political statements, if you've uh, uh, if you're not al aligned enough with with the party, with the party they just turn your money. They turn off. your money off. Just turn it off. Boom, just like well, that. We we haven't gotten to that point. That is the second seminal event. The first seminal event was kicking Putin out of the SWIFT system, and a lot of nations looked at that and said, "Hey, this isn't fair." The so second, kicking the, so kicking Putin out of the SWIFT system is has pushed more countries to the BRICS. To the BRICS, yeah. Which, they, which they, is which is basically saying, hey, we don't we no longer trust the American system, the American like, dollar. We're we're now putting our trust here. And and if and and one and both of these are not gonna right. last. Other, one, other one countries is, other countries look at that after the bully has knocked the kid down, he steps on his face anyway. Yeah. That's kind of how they view it. It's like, hey, that bully the other seminal event is the announcement of our own central banking digital currency, which okay, they, which came last week. Which tell, let's came talk last about week. that. What is? Tell our listeners what happened last week. Okay, so uh, uh, the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Treasury, they're announcing the rollout and beta testing of a central bank digital currency. What is the what is the agenda? What is the objective? Well, it can be couched in a number of. Uh, uh, sub-objectives such as making it easier and quicker to cheaper to run the system, this, that, and the other thing. But what it is, is the eventual elimination of all cash and having all transactions go on to a digital currency that can be cataloged and tracked. Now, the, uh, one of the arguments from the government is, hey, well, this is a great way that we can make sure we get all the taxes we need to do yeah. because we won't have any off-the-books transactions this way and people avoiding their fair share of taxes. So the only, so it, it's kind of like uh, crypto uh, in, in, in a way. In a way. But, it's, but the, it, is, it would be the only, 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 only way you can buy or sell would be through this, correct? Well, right. And, and there are certain American corporations who I will not name in this discussion that helped the Chinese set up the social credit system. They used American technology to do that. And if you've heard our buddy Klaus Schwab or some of his other guys yeah. recently, the World Economic Forum, they have lauded the Chinese social credit model and said it is the model for the rest of the world. And if we establish a central banking digital currency here and in Europe, in other words, if the SWIFT system goes to a central banking digital currency, again, the BRICS nations know how that social credit system can be imposed 
and they do not necessarily want those handcuffs on them. So in essence, the central, the the new currency they've announced, they are it's a it's a it's a two-pronged race. They're looking to get that currency out and functioning before we put the entire system to our own central banking digital currency with all the restrictions we might put on it. So including all of the nonsense environmental scores etc cetera, etc cetera. right but china has that already china has no they don't have any environmental scores no it's, but theirs they've, is theirs purely is... political right. and social behavior but the way they will do it in america they've already talked about the esg scores uh, that they're trying to impose on corporations and that would allow the government entrance into your personal life in terms of how you spend based on your social behavior and their definition of your environmental score. For example, uh, we had dinner last night, uh, some good meat there, had a nice piece of, piece of beef, very nice and tender. Uh, if you had a digital currency, it might, it might put a restriction saying, okay, you are a 60-year-old male with you know, and you should only eat so much meat a month. And if you continue to spend that currency on meat, it might just stop allowing you to buy meat, saying that is in violation of your environmental score. You're eating too much meat. So we're not going to let this currency so work on how, meat. So how many of our listeners, to see, just to, just to get an idea of, of how much this we're being groomed for this, uh, so to our listeners viewers, think about Apple. And when you're listening to your headphones at the gym, I every single week get an alert on my phone saying warning based on your your headphone volume you've ex your, you this is what is it this you've exceeded you know this is not dangerous and you and and when you need to turn down your headphones right. yeah. you you see you get yeah. that too that is that is grooming so, that is apple grooming right. us to be oh master the phone tells me I'm turning up too much my phone too much I need to obey and turn down my phone well Again, behavioral control is always the goal of governments as they become more and more despotic. Conformity and control. If you, if you, if you issue a currency that can observe everything that you do with your life, the potential abuse for control is obvious. Yeah. Now, many of our listening audience out there may say, oh, this is America. They will never do that. But if you allow this system in and suddenly it starts imposing on you, you know, and you get a notification, uh, the, there, are many, there are many, many interviews I've uh, listened to of people who are observing the construction of this system and looking at the coding and programming what's being built in to this system. And they're saying, uh, you know, basically once this comes online, uh, they can just... It, there can be impositions where they just turn, like China, they'll just turn your money off with certain violations. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> do you, do you, it appears one way or the another that there is a shift coming in our currency. Um, you have the, the BRICS nations trying to make it, uh, that, that trying to set the stage of how, of, of, of the terms of that currency. And then you have the West and uh, these, it seems like, you know, America and these, uh, you know, the central bank, which they feel like they're kind of tied into the uh, 
some of these global the globalist you know the world uh, health world uh, WHO WHO and, and, and uh, World Economic Forum. So is it? It feels like it's two different um, systems fighting for control. Is that the way you see it? Uh, I I think it's one system fighting for control and another system. I think what the BRICS are trying to do is they're trying to fight for independence away from that system seeking to impose control. Now, will they impose their own controls on their own system? Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, China already does. Probably. I mean, sure. China is, is... Well, but China does that for Chinese. I don't think they will universally impose that on a lot of other countries or they wouldn't participate. China, China feels the right to do that for their citizens because that's how they maintain control. And by Wait, the way, you don't think having, China would have interest in having control over, over Americans as well? Well, that's... Other other countries? I mean, what what... What, yes, what yes, tyrannical China, China, government doesn't but, but, want control but China, over but other China countries? China knows that it is that to coerce is not as effective to invite. So they will create incentives in the system to play. By I mean, they're way. coercing their people, right? And how's that going in China, by the way, right now? Yeah, this—that's. <laughs> I mean, they're rolling tanks down the street. Uh, because the Chinese people have lived with this system for years, and they're getting tired of it. The, the, the reality is, when you look at this, the, the, what the BRICS nations are proposing, if we are to believe what they are proposing, and that's always a little bit up in the air because, you know, it's always propagandized to one level or another. But if we are to accept them at face value at what they're proposing, they are proposing a system that will be more fair and equitable for them, not necessarily for us. But for for them. them, because they're and, the producers and we're just useless and, eaters. And, and the, I think the Chinese will come to a very serious realization that the Russians came to long ago is you can't just stomp on your people forever and expect good things to happen. It just doesn't. People lose incentive. Uh, they kick back. Uh, you've got to have something in your system that gives people some motivation to be part of that system. You just can't motivate people by holding a gun to their head forever. Every totalitarian system eventually cycles through and comes to this conclusion. But it seems like if they, they always, don't, but it seems but like if they that's don't come the to this they all go through. Right, if they don't come to this conclusion, there's nobody left to control anyway, because they've, they've gotten well, rid of Well, they've them made all. it clear they want to get rid of how many billions of, of people on well, Earth already. But that's the Western system. That's the Western globalist system. Now, the Chinese and Russians may piggyback and say, yeah, we'd be glad to depopulate you guys so that we're the ones left standing after yeah. the smoke clears. But uh, so, what do you see timeline? How do you see this stuff unfolding? I well, if we again, if we are to believe what uh, these BRICS leaders are saying, we can expect sometime in the next I don't know, two, four, six, eight months, somewhere down the road, they're going to roll. What us. what can we expect? I, I think most experts I've listened to believe that this will be rolled out no later than spring of 2023, that it is on course and, and, and getting close to being viable. And what does that mean for the average American? That means that by the, sum, by the summer of 2023, your dollars are going to have a real problem. So inflation through the roof. Inflation will start to accelerate. Yes. And that's when, and when inflation's through the roof, that's when someone will step in with, here's a more viable solution. Well, we, it, will, it, will beg, it will beg a number of issues to be addressed. One is consumer behavior. You're not just going to be able to buy 
cheap T-shirts for seven bucks at Walmart that are made in Mexico or China anymore. Uh, another thing is uh, a very serious look at our domestic manufacturing strategies. We need to get things back onto our shores. We need to start making things in America. Again. Well, we were doing that under Trump. Well, yeah, they, yeah there was we definitely were, we a were move doing towards that. Under that. Trump There's definitely a move towards bringing that. Bringing manufacturing back to America. Absolutely. And, and again, that's a money game. How do you do that? You, you, and this is where the left has a problem. You have to create incentives for corporations to do business, and those are usually tax incentives. Yeah. We had, you know, when Obama was in office, we had a top corporate tax rate of 40% here. Ireland looked at that and said, you know what, we're going to change our laws and we're going to make a 14% top corporate tax rate. Guess what, guess what corporations did? They all yeah, started moving to Ireland and headquartering in Ireland, saying we're now an Irish Well, in America, it's just not stable because... You know, you have the under Biden, then Trump comes in and says, we're opening doors, everybody come back. People shut down their businesses. They, they move here through huge expense. And then, then Biden comes in office, and all of a sudden it's, no, no, now we're no longer friendly. So people now turn around and leave. I mean, you cannot how – do how do these organizations and businesses take America seriously? When we swing, well, the, the pendulum swings let's, let's so dramatically this, from, every, from one presidency to the let's next. Let's bring this third. We've got one minute okay, here. Okay, let's bring this third pivotal pivotal event in. What I see going on with these BRICS nations suggests, as we have examined before, that some of the leadership and some of the elections in America have not been what they purported to be. Now you may. You know, the media may tell you or you may or may not believe that our elections are free, fair, and unfettered, but I don't think that some of these other countries watching what's going on here believe that. What I see going on is I see nations losing faith in America's leadership, maybe, and I would say primarily because they see the leadership being, being put in power here not responding to the standard American agenda as it was known 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And they're looking at the situation going, we got to do something fast yeah. because you got the largest, most powerful army in the world, and we don't know who these guys are running the show anymore. When Trump was there, we knew what he was, but who these guys are, we are not real secure with that. Yeah. Zach Wagner, I'm glad we got you on. Good to see you, brother.